17 for that. Wow, what a powerful thought, what a powerful statement. And as, as we begin to praise God and just be amazed in the wonder of his love, knowing where he's brought us from the darkness into the light. You know, recently I've been, as I do at times, I, I fight some situations with, with my lungs and breathing. And, but one thing it always does is it reminds me of is that you never praise God enough for the breath that you have until you don't have it anymore. And, and so his grace enters into our life in the simple things like breathing or the simple things like feeling good every day. And folks, we need to be praising for that. I think we so take the love of the Father for granted. We so take the love of our Savior for, for granted. It's so easy to forget where we used to be and the life that he's brought us from. And folks, let's not do that. Let's just praise him and just, just remember all that he's done for us. I want to ask you to take your Bibles today and turn to Colossians, the first chapter. We're going to be looking specifically at a clause in, in verse 3. We have studied over the last several weeks uh, through a series called The Questions of Stewardship. As a matter of fact, this was not on my list as I was going to work through it, but it's something that, that really captivated my heart <coughs> a few weeks ago. If I've, been, I've been working through and studying through Colossians. I shared this with our staff this, during some, our staff meeting on, on Sunday morning, but I, I just think it's really worthy. I think it's really worthy for you to be able to stop and to chew on and to meditate um, today, I, folks, I think this, the, the message today is if, if you allow it, it will really, really not only transform your life, it will transform the folks around you. And that's what Christ is. He's, he's about redemption. He's, he's about taking us from where we are and bringing us into a brand new place. And, and that's what I pray that the Word of God will do for you today. You know, when we begin to think about what Christ has done for us. You know, we, we think about the gift of salvation. I shared with you even this morning, just the very gift of breath that, that God has bestowed upon um, the just as well as the unjust. I want to speak to you today about a privilege that, that I believe is the greatest privilege that we have being a child of God. And that's the privilege of prayer. And I want to even make that specifically intercessory prayer. And it's something that I want you to stop and consider today, and not just stop and consider, but we, act, we want to ask you to challenge you to put this into practice. I, I'm going to walk through some reasons why it's so important to yourself as well as it's important to others. I mean, if you want to live your life as a mundane Christian, you can go ahead and do that. If you just want to you know, live your life as well, you know, just, just walking through life, that's okay. But folks, I can tell you, Christ has more for you. And, and, and God has saved you for a purpose. And he, want, he wants to make you into the person that he has created you and saved you to be. But also he wants to make you a change agent in the world that surrounds you. Remember, Jesus Christ says, you are the salt of the world. And you are the light of the earth. And both of those ideas of salt and light are ideas of changing. They change where they're put. And that's where, what God wants to do within your life. But again, I believe the greatest privilege that God has given us in, in, in our salvation, other than the forgiveness of our sins, I think it's the ability to talk to God one-on-one. -on -one. That we can go to the one who created us, the one who has, has um, loved us enough to save us, the one that all power rests in his hands. Um, we, we sang about that this morning. 
There's nothing too hard for God. The one that, that is sovereign, that, that everything is under his control. And I truly believe that. I don't understand it. Sometimes I might not even like part of that idea. But folks, that does not, that does not remove the fact that we have a God who is in control. Otherwise, he would not be God. But I had the opportunity through my relationship with Jesus Christ and through my relationship that, 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 that was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ who has torn the veil, I don't have to go to someone else to make prayers for me. I can go, I can go straight to my Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ, and have audience with Him. Isn't that amazing? This is so unknown in the rest of the, uh, of the world or your rest of your your ideas of, of, of God throughout your different religions of the world because, because in Christianity, it's through Jesus Christ, we have access to the Almighty God who is in control. What a privilege is that? The question is, how good of a steward am I at the privilege that God has given me? If, if God has given me the gift of prayer and the, and the, the privilege of prayer, what have I been doing about that? Have I been faithful? Have I been redeeming that gift that God has given me? Or, is I have, or have I have just kind of taken it for granted, just like sometimes I take being able to breathe for granted? Dear, dear friends, we shouldn't take anything granted with the Lord. We need to be faithful in using everything, and especially this ability to intercede to him. So I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. I'm going to, let's all stand up and, and the <coughs> honor of reading God's word. God's word is truth. Jesus prayed a prayer once. He said, Lord, sanctify them by thy truth. And then he says, thy word is truth. So how are we to be made holy? How are we to be made separate? We are through the, the word of God, through the truth of God. I encourage you to, to take your Bibles, to have your Bibles with you. That's what we teach and that's what we preach out of. And I encourage you not only to, to have it with you on Sunday morning, but don't leave it here. Take it home with you and, and be studying the Word of God, reading the Word, checking up on the things that I say, and, um, and, and allowing God to speak to you. It was just through my daily Bible reading, this verse just can't, this clause just captured my heart. I could go many places in Scripture this morning and, and pull out a verse on on intercessory prayer. But for, but, but for the reason no longer to God, he took this verse, he applied it into my heart. I had to interact with that. And I'm just going to share with you today that some of the things that God has, has, has spoken to me. But folks, he can speak to you also. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to the church of, uh, in, in, in the church of Colossae. And, and he's just given his opening, his opening greetings to them. Listen to what he says in the verse 3 verses. We're going to focus on, on the last clause in verse 3, where Paul writes these words. Paul, I'm a, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul says, I'm not an apostle because mama decided I want, that, that I needed to be an apostle one day, or one day I just decided that I want to be an apostle. Folks, God doesn't use self-called people. God does not use mama-called people. God uses people whom he has called. And he says, I'm an apostle by the will of God, and, 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 and Timothy is, or Timothy, our brother. I'm writing to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from our God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 3 he says, we 
Give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says these words, praying always for you. I want you to stop and just a mo- and chew for just a moment those three words, praying always for you. Praying always for you. Hmm. As a matter of fact, this is probably a church that <coughs> Paul had not even met these people. But he's saying, I'm praying always for you. Think on those things. The Father, I pray that you'd take these words, and God, that you would just, I pray that you'd use them to convict our hearts. I know, Father, a few weeks ago, in just personal time, God, you used these words to, to really stop and, and make me think about this whole matter of intercessory prayer. And God, I just pray that today, that, that Lord, that you would just challenge others as you have challenged me. That God, if we truly say that we love people, if we truly say that we love others or, or love you, God, that we might be faithful in the most important business that we could be doing, and that's praying for one another. So, Father, I just pray that you would just move, and, and God, taking these words and applying them in our lives, and, and God, and, and changing us. So, Lord, change this church, and God, through this church, change our community and change our world. God, transform us into the person of, of the, that you desire us to be. Conform us into the image of Christ. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. It's very obvious when you begin to read the, the letters the Apostle Paul wrote. And, and, and through his letters, we, we have more books of, that, that was written. But every book that, that, that was written by the Apostle Paul was is simply a letter that he wrote to people. They didn't have email. They didn't have text. Um, they didn't have FaceTime during the days of Paul. There was just a, a, a way of, 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 of writing letters. I mean, it did not have a postal service. He didn't have to put a 47-cent stamp on it. But normally they were carried by someone from one city to another to make sure that letter got where it was. And so any time that you received a letter from someone, that was an important deal, folks. I mean, you just didn't go down to the Walmart at a local corner store and buy you a piece of paper and a, and a zebra ink pen. It was a big deal to write a letter. It took much effort to, to write a letter. But Paul wrote many of them. And when he did, he just, he just poured out his heart to those whom he wrote, which I think is so important for each of us today. I think I could stop right there and begin to make an appeal to you that, folks, shouldn't we do that a whole lot more? Every one of us in this place has probably been touched because of, of someone that, that, that God had placed, or, or maybe there was a someone that has, had written just... just written a letter to me, written a note to me that, that really changed my life. So many of you blessed with letters and, 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 and cards over the, 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 the death or the passion of my mom, and it, it meant so much to me. And, and folks, I don't throw them away. I have a file that I put them back because every now and then I, I like to just go back and look through, through those cards because that will encourage me that there's people out there that love me. There's people out there that's taken the time that had me in mind and they wrote a letter. And so if if people have changed my life and you have helped transform my spirit, then how important for us to take that time to write notes and letters to other people. 
But I want to tell you something that is even more powerful. And that's intercessory prayer. Because it will not only transform the person that you're praying for, but we're going to learn today that it transformed us. Now, Paul, obviously, when you you read this letter where Paul says, I'm praying always for you, Paul was a man of prayer, not just something that, again, was spoken, or he never gave just that that slap on the back, hey, I'm praying for you, and, and, and never bow down, folks. He did what he said he would do. And we find that through throughout his letters. The apostle Paul wrote to the church of Rome. He says, for God as my witness. Paul said, I'll stand before God that what I'm telling you is true. And what he says, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. That puts himself on the line. He says, hey, if you don't believe me, then, 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 then go to God. God will, will, will show proof that I make, see, I make prayers for you unceasingly. Can I say that? Can you say that? To the church of Philippi, he, he, he explained, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. And now to the church of Colossus, we just, we just read where he says these words. He says, I'm praying always for you. Obviously, intercessory prayer was extremely important to the Apostle Paul's life. And he practiced that. And I just, again, want us to stop today and begin to think about this. What is intercessory prayer? Intercessory prayer is simply taking the burdens of someone else to God. There's power within that. There's passion within that. And I pray that through this message today, that God would prick your heart. That God would put, you this, put within you the same desire as the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, as I was, I was looking through just some, some subject matters on intercessory prayer, I, I came to a website that was called Christ Life. It was actually, a, it was actually a, an evangelism evangelistic portion of the, of, of the Catholic body. But listen to what they say about, about intercessory prayer. There's many ways to love one's neighbor, but intercessory prayer, praying on behalf of other, has got to be one of the most powerful. You want, so, you want to say that you love somebody, then you pray for somebody. There's nothing greater than you can do for that person. And then they continue to say that prayer is the most potent force known to humanity. Because we have been made partakers in Jesus' victory over sin and death. And we have the authority as sons and daughters of God to pray for others. Think about that. This is where, where we are grabbing the victory that Christ has won at Calvary. And now we're joining with him as brothers and sisters in Christ. Praying on his behalf. It says, pushing back the darkness of sin and the oppression. In prayer we have a weapon that has divine power to destroy strongholds. Wow, those are strong words. He says that kind of, uh, kind of weaponry, the power of prayer, is something God invites us to use as we seek not only personal transformation, but the transformation of the world as well as an intercessor. An intercessor is one who takes up the burden that goes far beyond his or, own, his or her own needs and intentions.
Folks, laying in the very grasp of every one of us is the greatest power the world knows, and that's the power of intercessory prayer. The question is, are we using that gift that God has given, given us? Are we being good stewards? When we begin to, to look at this idea of intercessory prayer in the scope of in the entire Word of God, we, we find that that was not something new within the New Testament. It wasn't something the Apostle Paul came up, up with, but, but there's a strong theology of intercessory prayer. As a matter of fact, when, 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 God, when God created the priesthood, the responsibility of the priesthood was to intercede. He was the one to, to stand before God and others, and he was the one that the priests are the ones to, to bring intercessions unto God. As a matter of fact, Joel spoke these words in, in, in chapter 2, verse 7 of Joel. He says, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach. It was the responsibility of the priests whom God had set aside to pray for the needs of their people. But folks, when Jesus Christ came, the Word of God teaches us he was the great high priest, Jesus Christ. And I want you to just chew on this and think about because that when Jesus Christ was on this earth, he acted as a priest on our behalf and he interceded to God for you and me. Isn't that amazing? That even as Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, as a matter of fact, if you, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to John, the 17th chapter, we'll, we'll find the true prayer of Jesus Christ. When many times we use the model prayer, we call that the Lord's Prayer. But the real prayer was Jesus Christ on the night before he died. He was not saying, God, help me, help me, help me. He was interceding not for himself, but he was interceding for you and for me. And I want us to read a portion of this. I want us to read the passion that goes into this. And, and I'm trying to go somewhere with this idea. Jesus Christ was in the garden in that place where the Bible says we, we sang about where he, he sweat blood. He was in such intense pressure. But then he was praying. And we see in verse 9 of chapter 17 where Jesus says, I pray for them. I pray not for this world, but for them which thou hast given me. He was praying for, for his church. He says, for they are thine, and, and all that are mine are thine, and all of thine are mine. God, everything that I have is yours. Every, everything you have, they're mine, and I'm glorified in them. And now I am no more in this world, but these are in the world, and I come to see thee, Holy Father. Keep, keep through thine own will, thy name, those whom thou hast given me, that thou may be one. You know what he's saying? I'm about to ascend to be with you. And God, I'm not taking out of this, them out of this world, but I want you to pray for them. Keep them, Lord. He was praying for those. And then look what he says in, in, verse, in verse 15. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil of the world. They are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify through the, them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through truth. But listen now what he says. Neither do I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. 
Not only was he praying for the children of God during his day, but, but, but those who would later be recipients of the word of God. Folks, that's you and me. Jesus Christ was in the garden on the night before he was crucified, and he was making intercessory prayer. Isn't that amazing? Mike, isn't it amazing that, that on the night before Jesus Christ was crucified, you were on his mind? He knew that soon he would take your sins and, and my sins upon himself, and he wasn't there wallowing around and saying, God, oh, woe is me. He had already dealt with that. You know, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. But then he had us on his mind. And he was praying for you and me because he was our great high priest. And folks, he didn't stop. Just because he, he rose into, into the heavens after he has, had resurrected from the death, he did not stop interceding for us. See, not only did Jesus Christ, the great high priest, pray for us while he was on this earth, but, but he pray, he's praying for us now. Listen to what the Word of God says in Hebrews, the seventh chapter. If you want to turn back... Hebrews, that's on in the bank, right past Colossians. Hebrews, the 7th chapter, verse 14 through 16, the Word of God teaches us, teaches us this. I'm, I'm sorry, the 4th chapter. I said the 7th, but the 4th chapter. Where the Word of God teaches us, seeing then that we have a great high priest that as is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our professions. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities, but in all points was tempted like we are, yet without sin. So, so he's been tempted just like he knows the trials that you go through. He's never been sinned. But look what it says in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in peace of sin, that, that we can come. And, um, but the Bible says he is constantly making intercession for you and me. But that last verse, that is just something. Remember now, it was a priest's responsibility to make intercession for others. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he interceded for you and me, and even the Bible teaches us, and, and I did skip over that verse where, where it says that he's making intercession for us right now. But the Bible says once we become his, that we become the holy priesthood. We're the priests now. You and me. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What I'm trying to do, dear friends, is, is to kind of bring you through the idea that, that God has given you and me responsibility since we're his children. He's made us his royal priest now. And one of the responsibilities of the priesthood was to intercede for one another. I can go straight to God through Jesus Christ to pray for them. And why is this so important? This is really what I'm trying to get because there's a transforming power in intercessory prayer. It first has the power to change those, to personally change those whom you're praying for to, to, to change, to transform the personal lives of others. 
Do you say you love somebody? Do you pray for them? I mean, not just, you know, just not just saying a, a little rope prayer while you're, you're praying over your grits and eggs. I'm talking about taking that time where you get aside, where you bring that person into your mind and you begin to call out their name and call out their needs to the Father. Do you? I mean, is, 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 is my life disciplined enough that I, I realize that, that this is so important? As Paul says, no, for, think about Paul. If Paul told the church of Colossae that I'm praying always for you. If ta- Paul told the church of Rome that, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you without ceasing. That obviously prayer was a, took a major chunk out of Paul's life. For him to be able to call the people by names that he called, and he began to, to pray for the church of, of Colossus, and he began to and he prayed for the, the church of Rome, and he prayed for the church of Philippi, and those are just the ones that, that we've read that we know, but he, we know that he prayed for the church of Corinth. We know that he prayed for um, the church of Antioch. We, we know that he prayed. Folks, that takes a lot of time. But, but Paul thought these things were so important that he had to log not only time, Daily, but, but he left himself in a spirit of prayer to pray always. As he was walking down the roads, he was in the spirit of prayer and he had people on his mind praying for them. I'll admit to you, as I stop and I think about what Paul was saying, it makes me feel so inadequate in my discipline of prayer. You know, I have time for everything else, but my time of prayer many times gets pushed to the side. Although this is the one thing where that I have at my disposal is the most powerful instrument that God has given me. It was Abraham when God had, had looked at the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah and was going to destroy the entire cities, but Abraham had a nephew there. When God, through, and along with his angels, came through and and they had they'd come in a, in, in a, a form of, of, of people that, that Abraham began to intercede for the cities because he knew his nephew was there. And Abraham begged and begged with God, interceding, pleading with God, won't you spare the city if you can find just a few righteous people? And at the end, God did spare Abraham's nephew Lot and his wife and her daughters. See, there was power that, that brought them out of destruction. We find this also that when, when God had, had had such a, uh, he, he was about to be finished with Israel. These people that he had taken out of bondage, these people that he had made his people, but they continually turned their back on them, and, and, um, and, and, and they had even turned their back, and they were worshiping the gods that they brought from Egypt, and God was about to destroy them all. It was Moses who, who interceded for the people and said, God, if you, if you take them, you need to take me too. And the Bible says God relented and he spared the people. Folks, I don't know how prayer changes an unchangeable God. So don't begin to you know, try to get into the nuts and bolts. But I know that through the word of God, we find that prayer works. 
that God listens to prayer and God, the Bible says at times he, he, he relents or, or it seems to be that he changes his plans. And how does that, how does that fit into a sovereign God? I don't know. But I do know this. He calls us to pray for one another. And through pr- Moses' prayers, God stepped back from his destruction of, of Israel. Elisha, the great prophet after Elijah, there was a, there was a woman that her son had died and she came and, and, and was pleading with him. And, and Elisha went and, and he went into the room of that child that was dead and he began to pray and the child came back to life. It had the power to redeem that child and bring him from death into life. And folks, we see that over and over and over and over and over again where, where the power of prayer has, a, has a, the, the power to transform lives. And folks, it didn't stop with Christ and the apostles. It continues on today. Many of you today are, are, are recipients of the power of prayer Michael, how many times and how many years did your mama come and get right here when, when you didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ? And your mama right here just prayed for you and prayed for you and prayed for you. And it's not that you went seeking God. He came seeking you out one day. You are an example. And, 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 and think about your dad, Cletus. And I can just go and, 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 and just say that time and time and butch, your mom just, just prayed for you and just grabbed hold of God and, and praying for you and praying for you and praying for you. And then God shows up. I think one of the greatest testimonies of this that I, I, I think I've ever heard, we, we heard this on a, a, a testimony night on, on New Year's Eve one year. It was a brother that I dearly loved. They, they, they live in St. Augustine name, but was Jimmy Setzer. Jimmy had been in the Navy, in the Navy, but had been dishonorably discharged from the Navy just because of his shenanigans. He was living in North Carolina that day, and he, he, he gave us his testimony. This is Jimmy's testimony. He says, I was at the house, and he said, I don't know where my wife was. And he says, I, I got kind of bored by myself, so I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I was going to roll me a joint. He says, so I, you know, I got my marijuana out and got my papers out and was rolling me a joint. And, and it's like something spoke to me is to throw that away. He says, it shook me up so bad. He says, I decided to go ahead and roll it and forget about it. So he says, I went ahead and rolled that thing and, and began to smoke it. And something spoke to me again. You throw that away. And he was hearing the voice of God. And it shook him up so bad he says, I, I, I gathered everything up. I flushed everything I, I had in the toilet. I got down on my knees and I, I told God that I, I would never do that again. He says, I found a relationship with Christ. He says, I've never spoke nothing since. And then he went to work. And he was telling a, a woman there that he'd worked for, for year, with, with for years about what had happened. And she burst out and says, Jimmy, I've been praying for you. For years. And Jimmy's testimony that night was, folks, don't ever give up on praying for somebody. Because this woman's prayer that changed my life. And folks, I have heard that testimony time and time again. 
Folks, this church went into intercessory prayer for Janie that, that she wouldn't be on that ventilator for all those days. It was, off in, in, it was off in a day. We prayed that God would be able to move that through, but God moved it. Now, now, now Janie, uh, there, there's, there's still some complications. But folks, I believe that, that prayer has, 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 has uh, God has worked through the prayers of this church. And I've heard this story too many times that, that, that miracle after miracle that where people have prayed that, that things have changed. And, and folks, you'll never convince me otherwise. I know what I've seen. So we have in our hands the power that can transform the lives of the people whom we pray for. And we just have to ask ourselves, God, how faithful am I in this matter of prayer? I do want to say this. Sometimes I have to say that that God doesn't answer the prayer the way I want him to answer it. But it doesn't mean that he does not have the power. But this is going to be the good stuff. And let me just get through this. It not only has the power to change others, but folks, it has the power to change me. Because when I commit myself to intercessory prayer, it has the the power to change my personal life from a a life of selfishness to a life of compassion. The greatest enemy I fight is not the devil. It's not aggravating people. The greatest enemy that I fight is me. It's selfishness. I fought it coming to the world. And, And folks, every one of us, every one of us, are born with a sin nature where self is on the throne of our hearts. Our precious little Dorothy that I see her mom and dad right there. I was out trying to cook something at the grill the other night and her, her granny had already had, she about wore her out and says, here, you need to take her. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get stuff in. And so I had this child that, and she was wanting to, she was just bucking. I mean, she was just bucking as hard as she could buck and, and, and about grab, and grabbed the hairs on my arm and was about to pull them out. And, and, um, I mean, she was just going into one of them selfish fits. That's a baby for you. Why? Because we've all been born with a self-nature. And folks, it affects everything I do. It affects my thought life. It affects my actions. It even affects my prayer life because it's so very easy to me when I go to the Lord in prayer. I'm just whining to God about my needs. But when I make it a point to to, to pray intercessory um, prayer for others, then I have to get myself off of thinking about me and thinking about others. And it's absolutely amazing the transformation that comes on to me when I begin to pray intercessory for others that, that again, I'm not thinking about me anymore. Because I begin to think about the needs of others, and I begin to call them by by name, and God begins to, to take that person and the needs that they're going through, and he begins to give me his compassion for that person. And I begin to love that person in a way that I've never loved them. But the thing about it, I'm not thinking about me anymore. Folks, every one of us in this place has a problem with self. Every one of us. And a way that you can transform yourself from, a, from selfishness to compassion is you begin to pray for others. You begin to focus your mind not on your own needs, but on the needs of others. And God will begin to change you inside out. And folks, I think that's a good thing. It's a win-win situation. God is helping you to overcome self, but also he's helping you to bring others before his throne. But also what intercessory prayer has the power to do 
It also has the power to, to, in, to change my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When we commit ourselves to intercessory prayer, we're going through Jesus Christ. We're spending time with him. We're talking to Jesus Christ. And how do we come into this different, a deeper relationship with any other person is through communication with that person, through spending time with that person, by sitting at that feet at person and calling upon that person. Uh, the greatest friend is the friend that can help you. Because that's when you know that friendships are, are, are deepening because you're not afraid to go to a friend and say, can you help me? You lay aside your pride. And what we do is when, when, we, when we are interceding on, the, on behalf of others, we're going to Jesus Christ, that friend that will, will not leave us nor forsake us, that, that friend that we're saying, God, Jesus, I need your help. And we're spending time at his feet. We're talking to him. And so therefore, as a, as a side benefit, not only are we praying for the other person, we're getting to know Jesus a little bit better. We're talking to Jesus. He's, he's not something so far out that we can't touch or something that we read about in, 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 in Sunday school. He's, he's someone that we're interacting with. And so it, it deepens my personal relationship with Jesus Christ when I'm spending that time communicating with him and calling to him for the needs of others. And folks, there's not a person within this place that doesn't need the process of deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. And folks, when we're praying for others, we're in Jesus' sweet zone, folks. There's nothing he would desire you and me to do. There's nothing he would rather hear us say, it's God, it's not my will, but God, you work in the lives of these other people. Boy, that just, that just it makes him smile upon you and me. Do you want your relationship with Jesus Christ deepened? Then spend more time in intercessory prayer. Do you want? Do you want some of that selfishness to be stopped in your life? Quit thinking about yourself, and you start thinking about others. But let me just take it one more step, and I'm taking this to the church. You see, the intercessory power, prayer, also has the power to deepen my personal relationship with others. I want you to stop and I want you to think about this. The deepest relationships that we have with other people are the people we spent much time with. We live in a, in a world that's very busy and we have crowds all around us, but there's not much intimacy today. I really don't know what's going on in other people's lives. And so the things that we talk about are the weather and, and the sports. You know, we, we have a lot of conversation, but we've never deepened that relationship. You know how you can really get to know somebody? Is you begin to pray for that person. You begin to spend their time and, and you know who their children are, and so you begin to write their names. I think about all the names that Paul wrote within his letters, and these are people that, that he didn't see but every two years because he traveled by foot or by boat, and, but, but he always remembered these people. And, and Paul had deep relationships with all these people because you know why? He was calling them by name every day. You know, he, he, he was going, and, and, and maybe he, he probably had a list. 
But he was calling them by name. He was calling their husbands and wives by name. He was calling their, their children by name. And not only that, but he, he had a deep enough relationship. He knew what was going on in their lives. And, and so not only he's just saying, Lord, you know, pray for Kathy or pray for Sam, but, but Lord, you know that Kathy and Sam's going through this issue within their life. And God, I pray for that. God, I come on behalf of them, and I, I pray for this issue that, that's going on in their life. And so he begins to carry his burden for you. And that's how you, you when, when you begin to take other person's burdens upon yourself, and you pray for that person, calling them by name, calling that, that situation by name, then you're deepening your relationship. What would happen within a family? What would happen within a church if we begin to truly intercede for one another? Instead of, instead of, you know, just talking about the weather, talking about the sports, talking about just some of the generalities of life, again, to get serious about our relationships, getting to know someone and, and coming up to Jeannie and say, Jeannie, how can I pray for you? And, and, and probably the first time, she say, you know, well, just, you know, pray for this. But if you continue and she sees that you are sincere about that, then Jenny's going to begin to open up. I'm going through this issue in my life, or this is something my children, that, that she hasn't spoken, but, but when there's someone that comes to her and they specifically ask, and so therefore that person that can begin to pray, well, Jenny, I'll pray for you. And I'm telling you, when that happens, that relationship's just got deeper. Because now Jeannie's not, not carrying that burden all by herself. There's somebody else carrying that burden with her. And folks, there's not a person in this place that's not carrying burdens by yourself that you've not spoken to anybody else with. But what would happen within a fellowship when we begin to begin a church that intercedes with one another, that that we begin to, 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 to be able to go and love and talk with an individual. How can I pray for you? Not praying in generalities, but praying, Lord, this is what's going on in this person's life. Folks, it would, begin to, it would begin to weld relationships together that cannot be broken. And we begin to learn one another and, and know one another. And in that process, we begin to learn Jesus Christ and know Jesus Christ in a way that we've, we've never known him. And in the process, we're not so selfish anymore. Because actually, as we begin to pray for others, we realize a lot of the stuff we're going through is not that big anyhow. And folks, that could transform a church. Because when we begin to bear the burdens of one another, and we begin to weep for the hurts of of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is such a power that will transform not only the person whom we're praying for, but it will transform us. And, and so I think when Paul was saying, you know, I pray with you without ceasing, I'm making mention of, all, of you in your prayer, Paul was connected, those people that he probably didn't see over two years, in a lot deeper fashion than many of you, many of us are connected that see each other every week because he was connected to them through the power of intercessory prayer. And folks, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want for me. 
And that's what I want for Rayford Road Church. That our relationship is much more than a surface relationship, but a relationship where we truly care for one another, that we're praying always for everyone. No doubt that you won't know everyone's need, but there's people within this body you can connect with, and you can begin to pray intimately for that person, and you'll build a relationship with that person in a way that you've never built. I think even husbands and wives are afraid to sometimes ask, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? Because we, we just get tired of hearing it sometimes. But I think if it just started within, I think if it just started in the relationships of husbands and wives. Wives, when's the last time your husband looked at you and said, how can I pray for you today? Or why, or, or on the other way, wives, husbands, when's the last time your wife said, how can I pray for you today? When's the last time we went to our children and said, how can I pray for you today? And then we take our child to the throne of grace. Folks, when that begins to cross-pollinate across the families and across the churches, it will transform. You know something else that I didn't mention? That when it has the power to transform others, it was written in your notes in parentheses. You want to see a few miracles? Start praying for people. That's when you begin to see miracles. That's when you begin to have God stories. That's, that's when we can tell you these stories because when we specifically make prayers and God specifically answers, then we can tell other people, look what God's done. Maybe you've not seen any miracles because you've not made any specific prayers for God to give specific answers. But folks, that's my challenge to you today. Let's be better stewards of the privilege of intercessory prayer. Let's begin to make serious the, 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 this matter of praying for one another. See, it's going to change the life of others, but it's going to change your life too. And what greater thing can Rayford Road Church be known? And the Bible says to love others. How greater way can we love others than praying for them? I challenge you today. I challenge you today to question yourself and ask yourself, God, how good of a steward am I at this business of intercessory prayer? God, let me be more faithful. Let's pray.